Hello again. This is Digging for Something, and I am your host, JJ. This is episode number 11, and unfortunately, the last episode, which was number 10, uh, kind of a milestone episode uh, as reaching double digits, um, looking forward to triple digits, but uh, I failed to mention it during that uh, dur- during the 10th episode that it was, in fact, the 10th episode, and that was a mistake of mine, but Hey, I'm, I'm still uh, new at this, so uh, hopefully I will learn from the mistake and future milestone episodes, I'll actually call them out in the episodes <laughs> that it's taking place. Uh, the last two episodes, I began them with, I guess, a venting uh, session. And uh, I thought to myself, self, should I start every episode venting about something? And I thought, yeah, that that might be good. But then it was, hmm, am I always going to be just annoyed about everything? And I'm going to have to always come up with something that annoys me. And will I be making things up? So I decided for right now, no, I'm not going to begin every episode with a vent. But I uh, I will begin this episode with something that I was happy about. Um, today, there was a lot of rain, and normally, rain kind of disrupts uh, a lot of things, but I get happy when it rains, because when it rains, the parking lot and streets of my community gets a little bit of a wash, and why is that important? I will tell you why. Ducks. We have so many ducks in this community. And what do ducks do? They crap. They crap all the time. As they're walking, they're crapping. They're, as they're just sitting there, they're crapping. Anything they're doing, they're just crapping, crapping, crapping. So then what happens is when you have this huge influx of ducks and it's hot outside, sun is beaming down, and it's just duck crap all over the place. It just builds, builds, builds. You get the smell. It's like a minefield. So when it rains, I get happy. Because then some of that duck poop can be washed away. Now, don't get me wrong. I I, I like having ducks in the community. It makes it kind of like a little, kind of homey, I guess, in, in, in a way. Kind of like a, a, a close-knit community kind of thing. Even though I really don't know my neighbors. But that's beside the point. Um... But, you know, there's just a limit of how many ducks you can take. And, yes, the little ducks, little duckies that uh, are born and you see them just kind of clumsily walking behind their mother. And it's like, oh, yeah, they're so cute. And then you realize they're going to get big and become big, crapping, pooping ducks. So uh, what was it? Uh, Earlier this month. There were two ducks, and behind the two ducks walking were 13 little ducks. And, yes, it was so cute seeing this little line of ducks. But then just thinking about, oh, my God, they're going to grow, and they're just going to keep pooping and pooping. And then we, we had another problem because I'm, I'm not a PETA member, but, you know, I, I do love animals. Um you know, dogs. Well, cats I'm allergic to, so not so much. And like I said, I do kind of like the ducks, but um, I guess enough was enough for some people. And there apparently was some poisoning of ducks and cats in the neighborhood. Um, Now, one of the things that I say about that is people are the source of many problems. And I think in this case, yeah, it was my fellow neighbors here, my fellow residents, uh, because many would, and I've caught people feeding ducks, like right by my car. So what happens, you know, ducks aren't stupid. They might not be the smartest animals, or birds, or uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, the smartest living things. 
but they know, hey, if I get fed here, I'm going to keep coming here because there's a chance I might keep getting fed. So people would feed them and they would just stay around. And of course, when you start with one, then the other ducks start following. So it just, I mean, it would be, I would have to really look on the floor as I'm walking in my car just to make sure I don't step on the duck poop. Um, now, I think some of it's gotten better because many of us have kind of complained about it. Like I, a lot of communities have these set rules, do not feed ducks, do not feed the ducks. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite. I've fed ducks before. So I can't, uh, I'm not going to snitch on people. But if you're going to feed the duck, you know, feed it in a grassy area, like by the lakes. So that's where they get used to being fed. So they can poop over there. And it's not a minefield getting to my car. So I was very happy when it rained. And even though I said this little portion here was going to be something about I was happy about rain, really it's kind of turned into a venting session about the uh, about the ducks. But either way, yeah, I get happy when it rains. Uh, also, sometimes when it rains, it's, it's just nice to just stay in bed and do nothing. It's just... Uh, it's like very relaxing. So it's kind of like kill two birds with one. Well, I guess that's a that's a bad saying on this one because I am not condoning killing of birds or the ducks. Um, but yeah, you know, two good things happen. Uh, I have a, a a clean a cleaner path to my car, and uh, I get to just relax. So on to this episode topics. For this episode, I was thinking, okay, should I dig through the news? No. Should I talk about movies? No. Um, although politics seem to always generate the most um, interest, I didn't want to go that route. So I decided let's let's take two things that I like, sports and music. And that will be the theme of, of today's show, sports and music. Um, obviously... When you're discussing sports and music, it was it's uh you know you can have hours to discuss these things. Um, so I'm going to attempt to cover a lot in less than 45 minutes. So sports, sports, you know most sports are are, are really ramping up right now. Uh, baseball is uh, is off and running, um, doing their are kind of their exhibitions. Um, they're, I guess it's their, <laughs> their spring training, their summer training uh, to get ready for their shortened 60-game season. Um, you know, one of the things that actually is, is hurting baseball right now is they have one team in, in Canada, uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and the Canadian government said, no, we cannot have uh, other teams flying in and out um, potentially carrying viruses, or and we can't have uh, the the Blue Jays going to different cities, especially hotbed cities, um, and you know have the potential risk of bringing the virus back to to Canada. So Toronto, the Blue Jays, they they were like, okay, we have to find a, another city, and uh, they thought they found one with Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh, they they have a professional baseball team, the Pittsburgh Pirates. But the way was the schedule was laid out, it actually made sense uh, because there was only a couple instances where both teams would be playing in Pittsburgh at the same time. So it sounded perfect. That's one problem. Uh, nobody thought that uh, the Pittsburgh, the Pennsylvania government was going to have a problem, which they were like, eh. Let's put it next to that. Uh, and said, no, we can't have another team here uh, because that just is just more risk for the city of Pittsburgh and the state as a whole. So now the Toronto Blue Jays have to try to figure something else out. Um, ideally, they would, they, they would want to go to a city that has the infrastructure to handle a major league team with all their needs, uh, the traveling parties, and also uh, major league baseball players. They don't want to play in, in a city with a minor league field because obviously the accommodations are, are not the same. Uh, they work hard to get where they are, and uh, you don't want one team 
having a kind of um, a, di a different atmosphere, a different home. You, you want it to, to feel like it's a home um, setting for them. So they'll go back to the drawing board and, and see what they can do to kind of make it a good experience for the players and uh, log logistically make it work out, whether it's uh, playing in Buffalo or uh, Baltimore. Um, there, uh, Florida was kind of a consideration, but because of the spikes, uh, it's uh, there's already two baseball teams in Florida. Adding a third um, is probably not going to happen. Uh, too much risk involved there. But, um, you know, they'll work it out. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's plenty of options. They just have to figure out which is going to be the best for everyone involved. Um, so baseball is progressing. It's, it, I still don't. Uh, going from a 162-game season to a 60-game season, how, how is that going to work out? Because you, you kind of, a baseball season is so long. Um, teams who do really well at the beginning of the season don't necessarily do well at the end of the season, and vice versa. Teams that have slow starts um, after 60 games is when they heat up. And case in point, the Florida Marlins of 2003. Um, after 60 games, I believe they still had a losing record. And what happened with that team? They won the World Series. Shocked everybody. And they did it with a very young team. Um, you know, just, you know, vice versa, where you've had teams that start the season uh, like 20 and 4. And what happens? <laughs> they they play they play what 30 games under 500 the rest of the season and don't make the playoffs. So a 60 game season is definitely going to be one for the ages because it's I, I don't I, I'm not going to say it's going to have an asterisk whoever wins the World Series, but it's definitely going to um, not have the same I guess when put up against all the other teams that have played the full allotment of games, you know, it's, it's going to be kind of be put off to the side. Um, because you, you never know. It could be in the World Series, the two worst teams from last year. They just had great starts. Um, and obviously, it's who's healthy, uh, which players do not contract the virus, uh, things like that. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting in baseball. Um, NFL. They they had some kinks to work out. The players were were kind of pushing back as far as the safety protocols, um, and, and in many cases, rightfully so. Uh, but it looks like they're they're progressing towards um, getting all. And it's not only the safety things; it's also um, you know ec uh, you know economics, finances have to do with it. Um, you know, if a player contracts COVID uh, and they're unable to play, how are they going to be compensated? Uh, it's not necessarily that they, you know, most of the time, uh, especially in the NFL, if a player is injured or gets sick while not participating in football activities, uh, the team can hold salary. Now, in this case, uh, players are 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 in situations where it's open. Uh, it's it's they're not in a bubble. Uh, it's not like the NBA where they're in a bubble uh, with football because there's so many players um, and it requires so much real estate to play these games. It's not like you can create a bubble in a city. Uh, every team has over 50 players. Then you're talking another 15, at least 15 coaches. Um, you're talking seven, eight referees, um, and then all the requirements to get it on TV. So you're, you're talking hundreds of people involved for one game. And then you have 32 teams, and that's 16 games you have to worry about. Um, so to be able to do it in one location and creating a bubble, it's nearly impossible. Where are you going to find that location? So 
the NFL is having a little more difficulty, but um, I think at the end, if most of the safety and uh, financial financial issues are worked out, uh, they, they should be playing the season, and it will be interesting. Let's see how the fantasy football drafts go, and uh, uh, maybe maybe the the people who've uh, done poorly in fantasy football throughout the years. Maybe it's day of year because they just luck out just the way the the, the season's going to turn out. Um, but I'm sure a lot of the 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 fantasy football participants, because many, and I I've known quite a few who are in ten, or I'm sorry, not ten, but like five, six leagues, and uh, it's it's not going to happen. Um, and also the fantasy football drafts, many people have them in locations and everybody's together. Me personally, I'm a big fan of online drafts. I'll go through it quickly um, because it can it can be a painful process when when you don't have the proper time, uh, the proper you know the, the proper uh, countdowns and things like that to make sure the picks are done and the record keeping is accurate so uh sometimes it can can drag on so uh the people who are in multiple leagues they might they might be cutting back just because they might not want to you know especially if each league they're putting fifty dollars a hundred dollars where because of the unusual nature of this season uh this might be so much that they can't foresee (laughs) they might not be willing to invest that much because knowing that uh, they're, they're normally um, first round pick. That's a surefire 200 or 150 point player. Well, who knows what's going to happen, whether this person catches the virus or uh, things like that, or just because maybe limited practice or things that are out of the control, uh, the, the, the production slips. So, um, but the, I, the NFL is, is, moving towards it. So I, I do think they're going to uh, start their season. Uh, there might not be any preseason games. It might be a very choppy uh, first few games uh, working out the kinks. And um, a lot of the, I guess, the, the developmental, play, um, uh, the younger players, their de- uh, de- developmental process uh, is probably going to be you know, cut just because of the lack of preseason games lack of practices. So I think it's going to hurt some of those fringe players that might have had their only shot this year. And, and it's a little sad that um, there might be players whose dreams are crushed and lost forever because of something out of their control. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just a, another part of, uh, of what this virus is doing. Um, but uh, as long as they can do it safely and play the games and make it entertaining, that's, I guess, all we can ask for at this point. Um, there, there was something interesting that Mark Cuban said. Now, Mark Cuban is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA. Uh, and uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not his biggest fan. Um, there's a lot of things he says and he does. Um, and his, shirt, his work on Shark Tank. Although he doesn't always treat the entrepreneurs with respect when they come on, but uh, there's a lot of things that I I, I like him for. But as an owner, he's just too much of a fan, and um, I want my owners like I want my just like the, I want my quarterbacks. You know, they have to be politicians. They have to say the right thing, do the right thing. Um, but he storming the courts, having temp, temp, having temper tantrums, uh, claiming things have been fixed and things like that. It, it's just too much. He's probably the most fined owner of any sport, of any league in history. So a lot of that stuff kind of annoys me. Um, and also he, he kind of tried to insinuate the Miami Heat uh, didn't necessarily deserve winning the championship in uh, 2006 because... There might have been a fix or this or that. The 
officiating. So, you know, too much of a fan as an owner. Um, so his, his, his public crying is kind of annoying, but he said something that is, you know, I, I believe as well, uh, talking about the kneeling police, that he feels the kneeling police need to go away. Now, what he was really talking about is the people who were kneeling um, and the the segment of the population that are looking to see who's kneeling and saying, oh, this person's kneeling, that person's kneeling uh, during a national anthem. And it's 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 not a helpful thing. And I, I agree. But I, I, I also agree that the people who are not kneeling shouldn't be the, the people on the other side should not be looking, okay, this person didn't kneel. Oh, is he not for the cause? Or no? So the kneeling police on both sides needs to go. And um, one of my problems with this, the kneeling during the national anthem is it it takes away from what the message really is. And then it becomes who's kneeling and who's not kneeling. And that's what we're, and the anger, the divisiveness that it causes uh, so it's not really it's it's becoming a symbol that I think is doing more harm than good, um, and for those who just want to go out there and and see who is and who's not and that's what we're talking about. Uh, it, it's again, it's not talking about the issue. Um, and as as I've thought more about this, I wonder if maybe we should just stop playing the national anthem before games. Now, a game like the Super Bowl, I don't know. I think it's become so ingrained with the Super Bowl that you almost have to have it because who's going to sing the national anthem? The the uh, jets that fly over the, you know, the big the big production of the national anthem in the Super Bowl. I think it's become part of the Super Bowl. But for just any regular sporting event, uh, you know, and obviously I'm not talking about Olympics or things like that where the winners, the gold medalist, the national anthem is being their country's national anthem because these are global games. Um, it's played and no, that, that, that should remain. But as far as a regular season NFL game, NBA game, uh, Major League Baseball game, uh, hockey, which you actually have two national anthems, Canadian and uh, United States. Um, it it might just it might it just might be creating too much uh, noise, and maybe it's time we we remove it from the game. And and believe me, I, I'm not saying that we should disrespect uh, the national anthem, the flag, this country. Because like I've said in previous episodes, I'm not somebody who would ever take a knee during a national anthem. But with that said, because I am proud of to be an American from this country, from everything it stands for, what it allows us to do, it also allows people to kneel. And even though I wouldn't do it, um, what makes me proud of this country is it gives the people who do kneel the ability to do so without repercussion. Um, and when I say repercussion, we go repercussion because there's always repercussion in things because of uh, the trolls and the cancel culture and things like that. So, um so, so it's kind of difficult. Uh, what, what are we going to do? Because I, I really don't want to hear about who kneeled and who didn't kneel anymore. Um, and maybe they won't broadcast the national anthem, but again, there will be other feeds that people can see. And, uh, and uh, I, don't, I don't know what's the best way to go. I really don't. And uh, I, I know for a lot of owners and politicians having the, the national anthem play is is very important. So I, I definitely do understand that. And um, but once again, we don't need a kneeling police. And also, uh, like I said in the past, I don't like the cancel culture, the boycott, um, the boycott people. And it's to me, it's all it's it's based on hypocrisy. Um, so if somebody doesn't want to watch an NFL game, 
because people are kneeling or an NBA game because they have uh, Black Lives Matter on the court, which I honestly don't believe it should be on the court. Um, just for the simple fact, there's so many causes out there and to put one cause ahead of the all the others and um, how politicized it is. I don't know if it's the right place to do it, um, but that's a decision they made. And if somebody wants to boycott the NBA because of that, if you're a fan, you're going to watch the game. There, there's many things that are on. There, there's advertisements for, for, for beers that I don't like, <laughs> but I'm still going to watch the game. <laughs> so, you know, there's things that you don't like, and uh, just let it go. Enjoy the game. Don't be so angry. Um, one thing I, I, I always wanted to create a shirt with, which said, uh, to the effect of, of, um, let's end the fake outrage, which is people will get outraged for things that are small, but it just, it kind of explodes into this big outrage. And you're like, why are we mad about this? Why are we going so far about this? So if you're a fan of the game, watch the game. Cause at the end of the day, this country allows uh, for people to to practice their freedom of speech and expression. So if if the flag and the country's values are that important to you, understand that that is one of the values that allows people to do it. Agree with it or not, once again, I'm not somebody who would kneel, but I respect the right for people to do it. Um, also in the NBA, the Minnesota Timberwolves, is up for sale. <laughs> and I believe the owner bought the team for like $200 million or something like that. And now he's looking for one point, at least $1.2 billion. Now that's, whew, that's a good return on that investment. Um, what I find funny is one of their most popular players was Kevin Garnett. And I used to, I like Kevin Garnett when he was in Minnesota. But Kevin Garnett, when he when he went to the Celtics, I still liked him. But then he became like angry guy and just rude and disrespectful and sportsmanship went out the window and and just became angry guy. And he was a borderline dirty player um, and froze Ray Allen player that I've always liked and respected when he went from the Celtics as a free agent to the Miami Heat, which he was a free agent. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, Kevin Garnett and other members of the Boston Celtics kind of froze him out and you know, considered him a traitor and things like that because he had the ability to choose a team he wanted to play for, and he chose to play for the Miami Heat. Um, so Kevin Garnett and Rajon Rondo and Paul Pierce, oh, they, they made such a stink. And Paul Pierce is another one I thought, it, oh, I've always thought he was overrated. Great, very good player, but I don't, I think, I don't think he's a shoe in for the Hall of Fame. Like he probably thinks he is, but, um, but you no, know, they, they made it seem like they were born and bred Boston Celtics when they all played for at least three teams in their careers. Kevin Garnett uh, lobbied to, for a trade to get out of Minnesota when he went to to the Boston Celtics. So um, it kind of makes no sense. And I, I, I lost a lot of respect for those guys. And um, Ray Allen, even though I didn't like Paul Pierce and I didn't like what Kevin Garnett be, had become and I just didn't like the way the Celtics were, Ray Allen, when he played there, I, I still respected him. And that's just because he was Jesus Shuttleworth and he got game. So he, you know, he did an admirable job, but he was no actor. But um, I was he was still somebody I respected because uh, he didn't seem to buy into that, you know, that facade they were trying to create. Um, he was just a, a professional. Um, so Kevin Garnett, you know, he carried that angry guy persona through the rest of his career and then even had some choice words for um for the minnesota timberwolves owner and uh and now he wants to be part of a group because there's multiple groups who want to buy the minnesota timberwolves 
but he wants to be part of a group that that uh, that purchases a team. So what does he do now? Uh, he's got to try to try to smooth things out with the things he said about the owner, and uh, because he wants his his group to be chosen, even if they come up shorter than as far as uh, with their bid uh, in comparison with other groups. So, you know, you got to be careful what you say because it could always bite you. And in this case, Angry Man is now, you know, with his tail between his legs, uh, trying to make peace because he's like, oh, crap, what did I say? Now I got, I can't have him hold what I said against me or my group. So, uh, yeah, a, a lot of players nowadays, it, it's like so in vogue to, to trash the commissioner of that league or or the um, owners or things like that. Um, but be careful because some of the things you say, it can bite you. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, another example of somebody who, who bit the hand of so many teams um, that, it came, that it came back to haunt him. Um, there's other uh, a player like Jamal Adams, a safety for the Jets. Yeah, right now things he because he's a Pro Bowl player and he's young, he thinks he can say things and kind of discredit the ownership of the Jets uh, because he wants to trade and things like that. But you got to be careful, and it, it happens a lot. And sometimes it's like just because they're able to say it um, doesn't and it doesn't have a lot of substance, but they just say it. So players beware, be beware of what you say. Um, because at the end of the day, you don't want things to come back to bite you. Sometimes it's, you gotta, you gotta bite your tongue, um, cause you gotta think of long-term. Uh, and that's what, like, like Kevin Garnett right now, he's hoping that what he said is not going to be held against him and his group. So, um, but yeah, we'll see what, what, uh, what that team sells for and sports teams, even though they're not cash cows, that's the funny thing about it. Uh, sports teams are not cash cows while you own them. Uh, usually, you, you make the money when you sell them, uh, but not while you're owning them. Uh, uh, there's just there's just so much overhead. It's really hard to make money while you're, while you're owning a team. Um, but like in this case, it's, uh, it's when you sell it. You know, at some point, there, you know, maybe there's going to be a ceiling. Uh, there's just so many billionaires out there to uh, buy professional teams. So it, it, it may flatten out for a while, but for now, your return is incredible. Um, but uh, as far as the NBA, they're not going to have any fans. Uh, NFL, or Major League Baseball, not going to have any fans. Uh, but in the NFL, they, they did mention they're probably going to go with either no fans or um, a small percentage of fans in seats. And I think I was seeing in, in some cases um, stadiums that hold like 70,000 people might have at most 10, 20,000. And if there are fans, they all will be re- required to wear a mask, which makes sense. So um, we'll see. Maybe uh, Major League Baseball follows through follows, uh, and uh, allows some fans as well. Um, National Hockey League, they're kind of doing a semi-bubble with two hub cities, Toronto, and I believe it was Edmonton. So it's not like you're going to have a lot of fans that are going to uh, shuttle in and out of those cities, um, especially the U.S. teams, because there, there's going to be a lot of limited uh, travel and um, the country is allowing people just to fly in, especially if they're coming from Florida or New York or California. Uh, dates that have uh, that's been spiking lately, um, but the ones who will be playing in their home stadiums, uh, the, the sports uh, leagues, hopefully they'll, they'll allow some fans and you know, keep it as safe as they can be. But uh, one advantage those other sp- those sports have is they're able to still get revenue from TV even though they're losing a lot from not having fans in the stadium, at least they're able to to bring in revenue um, with the TV contracts and things like that, TV, radio, and things like that. So sports, 
it's starting up. Uh, and yeah, there, there's revenue. There's, they're going to take some hits, but uh, at least the money will be pouring in, and they'll be able to to cover salaries and things like that. Um, so they'll, they'll have that revenue to to help them out. Um, but you know, to segue into music, music doesn't have TV money, and music is also has changed a lot uh, over the last few decades. Uh, physical music is really a thing of the past. And when I say physical music, I mean you know, CDs, cassettes, uh, 8-tracks. <laughs> I was born when the 8-track was still <laughs> in production. Uh, but then really, uh, cassettes were the one, the things I really grew up on. And then uh, morphed in, or, uh, evolved into CDs and then uh, obviously to electronic media. Uh, one thing that is kind of in vogue now is um, records, albums. Uh, the actual, uh, I think the correct term is a phonograph. Um, just the Christmas, uh, Christmas of the sound. And uh, it's something I've thought about purchasing is uh, an actual record player. Uh, I think it's still pretty cool. So that's that's one physical um a music medium that's still, I guess, still holding on. Um, but as far as all the other things, I mean, music is, is is so different, and it's all digital. Um, I mean, what's funny is I, I was growing up, uh, on MTV, they played music videos. That's how they started out. And I think now they've had more years where people say MTV doesn't – they don't play music anymore, then that's all they played. I think in the 90s, they kind of phased into kind of reality TV and the real world, world rules. Um, I think Remote Control was a game show they had that I used to watch. Uh, then they would do like these spring break shows and things like that. Um, but you now you go into Teen Mom and other kind of shows, which don't even get me started about that. So MTV has changed as well. Uh, and with the lack of physical music, I think the artists probably are not able to make the money because with digital, you know, there's always there's always ways to get that digital music um, without having to pay for it. Uh, so live shows, concerts, was really kind of a stable moneymaker for the artists. Um, you, know, you still have bands, Rolling Stones, were touring and having shows in their 60s, and a lot of the 70s, 80s bands, uh, they're they're still having concerts with those old, uh, with the old music, and people are still paying, so they're able to make a living off that. And uh, the newer artists, they're still having the concerts, worldwide tours, and things like that, uh, which is what brings in the money. Uh, but one of the problems is with the COVID, all these concerts for this year have been canceled. So all this money that we're going to generate, I mean, you can't have online concerts. It's not the same thing. It's like watching a music video. Um, people want the experience of seeing these these artists live. And even when they're able to hold these concerts again, who knows what the restrictions will be. So they might be at 30% capacity. So that's that's a big hit, but it's it's something they've many have needed to kind of sustain themselves to be able to make money um, because once again the physical music is no longer around. So it will be interesting seeing when the concerts will start up again. Um, and I'm sure a lot of these artists you know, they live to perform, um, being on stage, uh, being adored by so many fans and uh, feeling the energy from the crowd. Uh, many are probably going through withdrawal right now uh, just because they can't get their fix. They can't get the thing that has driven them for so long. And uh, many probably are, are going to have to find other ways to make money because we don't know how long this is going to last. And those world tours, who knows um, if, they'll, if they'll be able to have those world tours anytime soon and uh and they uh they they need that income and yeah 
us fans, we, we want to watch it. We want to be part of those shows. Um, you know, hopefully they do come back and yeah, there might be restrictions and we can all hope that soon, you know, by next year, there'll be a vaccine that we all can take and we can go to these shows and we can, we don't have to worry about the social distancing and the masks and this and that. And uh, we'll be able to kind of get back to that normalcy and enjoy these shows now. Uh, I'm a little bit of an old fogey. Um, I, mean, I don't think I've mentioned my age, but I've, a lot of things I've said, you can pretty much guess the era I grew up. Um, so uh, a lot of the music I still listen to, uh, uh, the 80s and 90s, um, you know, that, was, that, was, that was the music I grew up with. So the big hair bands, uh, Journey, Def Leppard, um, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, um, all those bands, and even even moving into kind of the gangster rap and NWA, um, Two Life Crew. Oh, I'll still listen to me some Two Life Crew. Can't beat the booty music. Um, you know, uh, Dr. Dre, The Chronic, Snoop. Uh, this is this is a time I grew up and. Yeah, it had a very eclectic music taste. Um, so I, I liked all kinds of music. Uh, I still li- I listen to Celine Dion, Whitney Houston. Um, so I, I listened to all types of music. Uh, but 70s and 80s was really the, the era I grew up in and the music that I still like today. Now, we, and I do listen to today's music and uh, I, I like a lot of today's music. Um, but I, I don't know if I'm just not hip anymore. Like, not not to not to make light of any deaths, but probably in the last year, there's been uh, some rappers that were murdered in Florida, California. Um, I, want, I want to say Texas. I could be wrong. Or others that were incarcerated, things like that, and. I've never heard of them. I I mean, like none of them. I I'm like, who is that? what do they say? Like, is this somebody who's who's just like a local artist? And, and I get told, no, no, they've had some music, but I guess also because it, things are so digital now, you don't have all the same uh, songs that you hear on um, just regular radio. Uh, many are th- people watch online and things like that, but it's like I've never heard of these these guys. Uh, I just don't understand. Yeah, you know, I I, I know of Cardi B and um, and uh, uh, Migos and uh, you know those those type of artists. So I I, I do know them. They're you know, popular um, mainstream, but a lot of the others I I just never heard of, and you know, especially some of their ages. Uh, we're talking between like 19 and 23, which is really, really sad. Um, uh, that uh, a lot of these artists are dying at such a young age, but I, I guess I need to get out more and uh, and uh, uh, try to expand my uh, musical library. Um, even though I do like to stick to my 70s and 80s, I, I, I do listen to a lot now. And it's kind of funny. Because I hear a lot of people my age uh, talk about how the music is crap nowadays. Um, there's no, it's all production, no instruments, and things like that. And and I mean, I, I kind of do understand. Uh, there, there is a, there is a lot of packaging in uh, music today, uh, auto tune and other other technology that's used um, to enhance the music. Uh, but there's a lot of people with talent. Uh, a lot of talent out there. Uh, Cardi B is very talented. Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, uh, Kanye West, even though he's a little bit older, but um, uh, very talented. He's he's got some issues, but very talented. So I, I think there is still a lot of artists. Um, and uh, you know, the whole thing about uh, the music, instruments are not being used, you know, in my era of the, the 90s, uh, a lot of the rap music was sampling. It was uh, the drum machine. So it's not like um, 
instruments. We're not talking about metal, hair metal, uh, where you have the drummer, the bass guitarist, the rhythm guitarist, a keyboard player, and things like that. Yeah, it's it's different. It's it's a different era, but uh, I I think every generation thinks their music is the best. I used to make fun of my father because uh, he used to listen to the oldies radio station, fifties uh, and sixties. Oh, you're so old. Da 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 da. What's what what's funny is that same radio station that was playing fifties and sixties is now playing the eighties and nineties from my generation. So I've become that. <laughs> it's it's funny, but every every it's, most people have this this um you know the sentiment about the music they grew up with and we'll always think it's better than new and and I think I think every generation had good music and uh I, I think the music nowadays well yes um it's it really is overproduced and um I, I many many performers are they're performers they're not singers so it's all part of the package and uh you take somebody like Britney Spears even though we're talking uh, her career started 20 years ago um as a teenager uh if you take her voice her voice as a singer is horrible but as a performer, she gives great performances. And Jennifer Lopez, too. Uh, she started her singing career a little later. Um, but she was a performer. So so now you kind of moved away from just singers and you have those who are actually performers. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because singing, dancing, creating um, a whole production for the fans, it's, it's still art. Uh, it's still entertainment. So uh, just because somebody's not a, a Celine Dion who has an incredible vocal range, and even Christina Aguilera, I, I always thought she had a great voice. Uh, or somebody even more real, uh, Alicia Keys, she has a great voice. She's not a performer at all. Uh, you know, her, like somebody like John Legend, they're not performers. It's their music, their their talent musically, um, not just singing, but uh, on the piano. Uh, that's that's where their talent shows. So they don't need the production because their their raw talent musically is just incredible. So the whole arguments about music's from the day to now, I think is a tired argument because uh, twenty years from now. Those who grew up in this era are going to still like the music in this era and say the music 20 years from now sucks. Uh, I, I think that's what every generation does, and it's it's just how it is. It is what it is. It's just uh, it's history. That's that's just how we are. We're humans. Uh, we stick with what we know. So uh, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, but at least we, yeah. If somebody's open-minded. There's plenty of music to listen to, and with um, with if you have whether it's Siri or Alexa or somebody you wanna ask to play a song or or station or things like or even um, Spotify or uh, what's it, Pandora. There's so many ways to obtain free music now, and there's so much good music to listen to and. Uh, What's great is you can just uh, you can tell Alexa to um, to play a station for your mood. If you're sad, they can find a sad station for you. Uh, if you want uh, upbeat or patriotic or love, there's so many uh, stations and so easily uh, obtainable to to kind of fit your mood for that for that moment. So that, that is the great thing about um, where we are musically now. And uh, you know, hopefully soon our artists will be able to perform live shows 
and uh, we'll get to enjoy those shows again. Um, I, for one, look forward to going to a concert again. Um, I remember, I think the first concert I ever went to, I went with my mother. Uh, <laughs> and I wasn't a little boy. I, was, I think I was in my early 20s. Uh, and I went with my mother to the Elton John Billy Joel concert. And it was a stadium concert with, I think, 50,000 people. And at first I was like, I don't want to go to that. Um, that was my gangster rap days and uh, heavy metal days. So I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. I mean, I respected them. I, I thought they were good musicians, but wasn't. And let me tell you, I went to that concert. It ended too soon. I, when they were playing and separately and then together, it was the energy and you just can, you got absorbed in the atmosphere. It was an incredible concert and probably one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Uh, but I just went to keep my mother company. And, uh, you know, it's just something about seeing uh, these live productions and these live concerts and and probably even a if if even a mediocre artist just does their thing and and puts all the passion it is such an enjoyable experience and something you'll always remember so uh hopefully we'll have these concerts soon or at least you know sooner rather than later and uh and uh we'll be able to attend and and feel that energy again um and with that, I will end this episode. And if you have any comments or topics, you are always free to send me an email at digging for something at AOL.com, digging number four, something at AOL.com. And uh, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Digging for Something. I am JJ, and I will see you when I see you. <laughs>